You are listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast. If you are an Indian living abroad, feeling stuck in an average 9 to 5 or a job or business that's not helping you reach your full potential, this is the podcast to tune in where you will find your role models and learn from their dream struggle victory stories. This is your host Hassan Ali, a long-time IT professional living in Sydney, Australia, who has made it his mission to find and unpack these stories, strategies, and life lessons of successful and inspiring Indian expats to help you and I reach our full potential. Today's guest is a professional who has built his career very strategically, has been deliberate about his personal and professional development, and it has definitely given him high return on investment. Starting his career as a pen tester, Jai Hira today is the cybersecurity advisor at Salesforce. So let's learn from Jay what strategies he applied in building his career. Hey Jay, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Asan. Thank you for having me on your platform. The pleasure is all mine, Jay, and uh, you are one of those guys uh, who has built his career very strategically. That's what I picked up from your conversation last time. So let's uncover your story and let's uh, share with the audience uh, who Jay is and uh, what he does and uh, how his journey has been. And let uh, let me also learn something from your journey. So. Uh, if you could introduce yourself your way which i probably wouldn't do that well we'll start from there all right it sounds great thank you for that asan so my journey as an individual can uh, be summarized into three simple phases starting from being an average student with big dreams to a defining moment in my life where i understood the importance of putting the hard work behind my dreams and finally reflections as an old man that i am today on why i do what i do what my purpose in life is and what have been the most fulfilling experiences in my career and my life in general so let me expand that further and add some color to these three phases that i just spoke about i was born and raised in a small town in the western part of india and from an early age i've been very interested in computers i'm still fascinated by the impact that they continue to have on our society in general my curiosity and fascination for computers came from spending most of my uh, summer school holidays at my uncle's computer hardware store it was at this store that i learned how to assemble desktop computers and in a way i feel it was this computer hardware store that was helping me sow the seeds for my dreams of working in the discipline of computers early on now only if dreaming was enough i was an average student through my schooling and somehow i managed to go from average to below average at the time when it really mattered in life so which is what you tell year 12 uh, which i which time you're talking about year 12 asan so you know having been raised and born in india you'd know how year 12 results heavily influence what sort of major subjects you can and you yeah. can't take at uni engineer doctor really engineer yeah engineer doctor and maybe accountant maybe lawyer i don't know if that was the case for you guys absolutely spot on and and there's this very 
moment in my life which was a turning point that i still remember very very clearly i can actually define every conversation that happened on that specific day so so let me just take you back to this instance in my life and when i was 18 i was sitting down in the principal's office at an engineering college in yavatmal so i was born and raised in gujarat but obviously because of my poor scores i got i'd secured admission in maharashtra in yavatmal and my father was sitting by my side now like i said i secured admissions in mechanical engineering my father knew where my passion was it was clearly computers so he asked the principal what are my son's chances of switching to computer science if he does really well in his first year now to this the principal laughingly responds and says realistically zero <laughs> look at his track record he's you know gone from average to below average and he's constantly you know i i've seen so many students and there's a term that that they use in maharashtra it's called oms so any student coming from any other state they're termed as oms students so outside maharashtra students and he he started he added more details and more color to this conversation by saying there's 100 or more such students that come to our college every year mm. and there's handful of them that get through their engineering the degree in 4 years <laughs> in 4 years he said like there's i can count on my fingers how many of students from gujarat or from other states that come and then they clear the degree in 4 years he clearly was challenging my father that you know forget about him getting through to computer science i i'd be really happy and if i was his father if he gets through his degree in 4 years so now having been in that situation so motivated to change my situation i studied really hard topped at the university in my first year and was offered Top the university switch. not just mechanical engineering the whole university the whole university in my first year so throughout the four years every year i had my name in the local newspapers for wow. topping the universities or for being one of the top 5 people within the university from representing this college that i was a part of uh, and, and topping the university now no surprises for guessing that i did switch i completed my computer science and engineering and while i was still doing pursuing my engineering there was a book uh, that was written by a by an author called ankit fadia again someone from the same state where i was born and raised and the 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 title of the book was an an official guide to ethical hacking now reading this book really invoked a lot of curiosity in me to learn more about easter eggs and you know how to really tweak platforms or operating systems through low level uh, settings so there's something called as a registry on computers how do you really tweak with registry values which yeah. will completely change the way your operating system really appears yeah. so that made me interest interested in operating systems the network technology how do computers talk to each other how do they connect and how do routers really work how do switches work so after finishing my bachelor's degree i went on to pursue my master's degree specializing in network technology and it infrastructure and i think since that point on i've been very very strategic in terms of picking every single role that i've had in my career to be able to work across different disciplines in cybersecurity moving from 
attack, to defense, to architecture, to strategy, so on and so forth. The only consistent thing has been the aim to always learn something new with every job that I've had. Now, you know, let's fast forward to 2020, a very different time where we all had to adapt to almost a new way of living and working. This extra personal time that we've had in the last couple of years has has made me just reflect on my professional journey and my journey to life and better understand what are the what's my value system really what do i really stand for what is my purpose in life and and probably embracing myself better in terms of with my strengths and my weaknesses which probably you know i, I wish i did when i was younger and these reflections have given me a realization as to you know the most fulfilling experiences on my journey to life and my career have been when i've actually collaborated in larger teams to solve problems mm. and in the process of solving these problems i've been part of helping my team members my employer or my customers in achieving success so if i was to share probably one or two key lessons that I've learned so far on my journey, they would be, number one would be more around dreaming itself isn't enough unless you really put in the hard work to turn your dreams into reality. And the second lesson would be, I think everyone has a different perspective to happiness. And I feel like happiness isn't a byproduct of your own achievements or your own success. Happiness is an out- outcome of working together in teams and achieving success. Happiness is uh, an outcome of helping others meet or achieve their goals, their objectives, irrespective of whether they are your colleagues, your team members, your customers, your friends, anyone. No, very well said that, Jay, and I, I heard it very loud and clear that the time that you got, you introspected and you realized what really energizes you and you know what really uh, matters to you and you rightly said it's uh, happiness is not just uh, me doing something and succeeding it's uh, how many people we are impacting so when you say how people around you the team members or clients or employers get impacted all those things give you happiness so and i really really like that and uh, i think just about taking time out to reflect is important and uh, once you are living with your core values very clear you know the life becomes much smooth so yeah no fantastic so what do you do actually today what's your what's the job you do today so i've been working in cybersecurity for over 15 years my current role is more of uh, being a security and compliance advisor and essentially i think uh, the question of what does an advisor really do is more around two key components to to the role. The first component of the role is is more around building trust. And the second component of the role is more around understanding the problem space really that our customers are in. What is really the need that they have? What sort of objections do they have? Who are the key players within the organization, the influencers, the decision makers, the champions who are actually supporting you or your products or your services, and how do you really position 
your solution in a way that there's more uptake. Now, I could, if, if you wanted me to, I could expand this further in terms of what do I really mean when I say building trust and what do I really mean in terms of being an expert at understanding yeah, def the Definitely space. want to understand that. Key question running in my mind is uh, on day-to-day -day basis, do you, so if I understand right, you work with the Salesforce, isn't it? And in, on day-to-day, -day, you deal with clients or you day-to-day, -day, you deal with product teams within the organization? So both actually, but it's more of an external role wherein Client. I work with customers and make them successful in terms of making sure that the solutions that they adopt meet their industry regulatory requirements, meet their security requirements, their policy requirements, or whatever regulatory requirements are driving them to focus on cybersecurity, then those requirements are being met. So that's essentially what the role entails. It's a very, very pivotal role, right? You, In terms of, since everybody talks about cybersecurity these days and not only talks about, it is becoming challenging uh, to maintain the security. And it's not only in work environment, even at home, because we are all connected with the internet, even a kid is connected with the internet. So it becomes... Uh, even more important. So that's definitely a pivotal role. But to become an advisor, you say 15 years you've been in, in the information security space, which has become cybersecurity now. And today you are an advisor. So I believe it's a very, very, very uh, critical role. So what does it take to become an advisor? You would have done starting with some network engineer and all of those roles. And then you have, do you want to give me some perspective of how how your career has moved starting as a you started as a network engineer right so my first job was with Wipro back in 2006 working as a pen tester pen tester, okay. tester. yeah right that's another yeah. line yes right so, so so pen tester is someone who's trying to break into a network or a system or an application or infrastructure to compromise the asset or whatever it is that you're trying to target. So it's it's an approach where you're trying to attack the system and make sure that you're able to find a weakness that you can compromise. So I almost feel like as an advisor, you've got to have all these different views of cybersecurity. So you've got to have a view of an attacker as to how is someone going to be able to break into a system. You've got to have a view of defense in terms of how do I really protect my system or an application or infrastructure. You have to have a, an architect's view of designing security control. You have to have a strategic view of how to look at the bigger picture and, and you know, what are the areas that I need to focus on just because I feel like, you know, this actually takes me to an interesting point around how I feel the game of cybersecurity itself or the sport of cybersecurity itself is a very unfair fight. So I'm into boxing, you know that, Aysan. And anyone who's into boxing knows how fair the game is because you either throw punches or you're trying to defend from the punches, right? Yeah. And both, both of the opponents have the equal opportunity to either hit or defend. But when we talk about the cybersecurity game, I feel like that's a game where there's the opponent or cyber criminals or cyber crime has an unfair advantage because they are collaborating at a much better speed. They are innovating at a much greater pace than the good guys who are cybersecurity teams. And the only reason is, again, like I said, it's the collaboration element. Cybercrime in the past used to be 
you know, criminals in hoodies trying to hack into computers and steal data, but then they evolved to groups with similar ideologies, and then they now evolved to nation state states, uh, nation sponsored states where you know, the government is behind funding these cyber criminals. Whereas if you look at organizations, everyone is having their own siloed views of cybersecurity. Everyone is trying to defend their own fort, their own organization. There's very limited collaboration between organizations in the same industry or organizations across different industries between the government and the private sector. So unless we get to a level where there's similar amount of collaboration, like the collaboration we see in the attack phase, how are we ever going to be able to catch up? And which is where I feel blessed to be an industry where we constantly keep evolving mm. and it becomes, it feels like it's a puzzle. And by the time you get to the point wherein you've solved the puzzle, it feels like we've moved 10 steps backward and the, the coordinates change and the puzzle completely changes and we have to rework on our strategy to solve the puzzle. So it's, it's that sort of, you know, that's, that's my quite, analogy that quite, I use quite interesting, in terms of. Quite interesting, Jay. I, you know, it makes a lot of sense. It was quite interesting to know that bad guys are growing faster than, not growing, meaning innovating faster than the good guys and that poses much more challenge for people like yourself who's on the good guy side. I wanted to get now from you, Jay, and again, it's for the benefit of the community. So my focus this has been sharing ideas and resources to people on thinking that career is no more just a vertical linear path, which was the case before maybe. You are one of those guys who's not, I mean, you have been in the same field for sure, but you've not been like programmer to manager to senior manager. That's not the only path you have chosen. And the fact that you are an advisor, it doesn't look like it's a simple, straight, linear path. So starting in the beginning, again, it's a typical role. Somebody starts as a test analyst, somebody starts as a business analyst or programmer or whatnot. Somebody grows into a project manager, program manager and all kind of things. Somebody grows into architecture role and somebody in business analysis. But around 10, 15 year mark, people start to feel stuck because they don't know what to do next. You know, that's where I see most of the people having challenges. So if you can start with your pen testing and how you have progressed, not into a lot of detail, but into just giving as a as a view of, okay, from there, I thought I could do this and then that, and that's how it, so give some perspective where people can understand, oh, okay, that's another way of looking at it, which I did not think. Fair enough. So I'm going to share some details with the challenges that I was posed with through interactions with customers or with friends or colleagues that challenged my thinking. So while I was working as a pen tester, you know, pen testers really operate from a close sort of network from labs where they get a set of IP addresses that they are now trying to attack and break in. So this is a place where, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for you to be customer facing or interacting with, with, with anyone. You're just in a, you know, room, dungeon sort a of lab. a lab, yeah. in, a, in a lab and, and just working through it. I got to a point wherein I'd learned so much automation in terms of, okay, I want to run an Nmap and then I want to write a script which follows it up with a Nessus, which then does a few more things and uses a platform called Metasploit, which probably I'd used back in 2006. So 
I had automated to a degree wherein I could just sit back and relax and just run a script and it'll do most of the manual work for yeah. me. Yeah. And that's when I started thinking about, well, I, I did masters and I did masters in IT and network infrastructure. And some of my friends and some of my same, you know, students from the same college are today working at big fours into consulting businesses, in having interaction with senior, senior leadership. And I'm just working out of a lab in a dungeon. So I need to get out there and mm. do something different. So that was the first challenge. So my first switch from Wipro to KPMG, uh, big four was, that was the trigger for me to switch. Right. Now, really enjoyed working at KPMG, different so sort what, of exposure. What, what role did you go in? So you utilized your experience. That's what you would have uh, positioned as, right? So this is what I know. This is what I do. What role did you get in KPMG? So I was very upfront and thankfully what had happened was one of the mentors that I was really working with or who had hired me from college, he had moved over to KPMG. So I think somehow naturally I had this ability to connect with people and, you know, continue. It's, it's not just about, you know, establishing relationships, but maintaining those relationships. And somehow I think through my growing up or somehow I had those capabilities to network with individuals and continue to fuel those relationships. And that's how I met when, when, when my boss moved on, or when my mentor moved on to KPMG, I spoke and I had a conversation with him and I was like upfront, I don't want to do the same things that I'm doing here. Mm. So if you want to hire me for the same thing, I'd rather say that I'll try somewhere else. I want to do things differently. I want to do audits. I want to do assessments. I want to be an advisor. And he was like, okay, fine, I will give you this opportunity. There will be times when those sorts of things aren't really available for you to do. And that's when we will lean on your expertise in a certain area, such as pen testing. Are you okay with this balance? And I was like, fine, that's mm. a good balance. Yes, I'll take that. So that so to start off with, I did the same things like pen testing, application security assessments, but then you know, over a period of time, I did get an opportunity to do other things such as audits, assessments. And then there was one fine day I was talking, I was, I was on, on a, I don't want to give out the client names, but I was on a massive financial services customer. Mm. And for a period of two months, every single day, I had to travel to a different city, perform an audit on ISO 27001, in a day, write a report, submit a report, move on, fly to another city mm. for, for, for two straight months. I met someone very interesting, someone who was really, you know, in their 50s. And, you know, they were treating me well because obviously I was, I was an advisor and mm. I was producing a report which would then influence on whether the financial services institution is going to be continuing to do business with them on their handling practices. Mm. So obviously they treated me right, but they asked me a question on, you know, you produce these reports, you run these assessments. Have you ever been on the other side? Do you know how hard it is to actually implement these controls? And that got me thinking, wow, he's right. I'm writing these reports just because <laughs> I work in this industry. And I've never thought about how, if I was to implement everything that I'm writing down, whether the direction that I'm providing is going to be enough. Right. So that was my next challenge. I, I went and worked into IT delivery at IBM and on the other side of getting these reports and implementing, implementing. all bridging those gaps 
So that was my next role. So and was, then, that, was that your uh, sales pitch? Like I've done this side and I'm keen to do on the other side. I understand the stuff and I want to come and do it here. Exactly. So I, I think slightly different. The only element that I changed was I was like, I've been on the attack side. I know how to break into software programs. How about I help you build an application security program so that we can secure against 80% of the attacks. And if we do that, then we are already on the uh, upwards trajectory. That was my sales pitch, but the idea was to get in there and then you know, solve a lot of greater problems rather than just the application security issue. So went in there, enjoyed, then worked with an SI systems integrator for a period of time. And, and there was an interesting twist again while I was working at Accenture. Now, was deployed on a, on, a, on a client, was working with a project manager, a large piece of work wherein we were integrating certain mainframe systems or core systems within an insurer with an external PCI DSS gateway sort of thing. So, so, so when you process credit card transactions, yeah. instead of you know, storing credit card details within your organizations, you're completely transferring the risk over to a payment gateway solution. Yeah which will then store these details for you and process these transactions. So it was that sort of a pro- project where obviously I was using my skills in cybersecurity in, in on working in PCI DSS and helping the customer. But at the same time, what I realized was my role and what I was doing, my visibility was very limited. I was working with project managers, project managers working with program managers, program managers directly interacting with, with the execs. And I was like, I really want to try mm. moving and doing the, a project manager gig or a program manager gig. But it wasn't that easy. I wasn't directly able to get into that. So through after Accenture, I went and worked at a bank, CBA. After that, after working at CBA, I finally got an opportunity to do the project manager gig. Did that for a period of time, jumped again to program manager so that I understand really how to deal with execs, how to work with execs, how do you really understand the bigger problems or the bigger scope of problems rather than the granular problems that we're trying to solve on a daily basis. So it was, I think, with, with every move, there was a new challenge or there was curiosity to figure out how do you do beyond the scope of work that you're doing today. And, and I've always had uh, one simple rule or maybe one or two simple rules in my life. One has been more around, you have to cons- constantly learn and evolve. The second rule is mostly around how you, the moment you start getting comfortable in a job, wherein you know exactly what are the kinds of customers I'm going to be dealing with, what are the kind of questions that I'm going to be asked, that's when you've got to switch. That's when you know, you will, you're likely to get complacent. You might mm. start operating on your uh, muscle memory and you mm. would stop using your brains. And that's an alarm for you to go and say, oh my God, I'm completely switched off, but I can mm. still do my job. Right, that means right. I've got to move. I've got to do something different or extend my portfolio or, or, or you know, completely try something that I wanted to do. So, right, so right. I, I, that, that was a really long answer, but I think that's how... No, I got yeah, that. I, I definitely got that. So you started in uh, pen testing, then uh, you moved into audit and then you became the practitioner implementing it. And then 
you did that in different roles you change roles you went to another consulting company you went to a bank so you were now changing roles to get more and more visibility of business directly so something was hitting you all the time like i want to be in front of the business which is what you did because you realized project and program managers were getting that opportunity while in your role you were not getting the opportunity now while you were doing that there was an element of aspiration and ambition that you have but did was there any element of fear if i change my role will i get a job if i change my role and it doesn't work how uh, should i will i go back to audit but i haven't done audit for a long time or can i go back to print testing but i haven't done that for 8 years did you have any one of these kind of uh, doubts or fears on if something doesn't work what happens i think every single time every single time you're trying to move out of your comfort zone you're taking a risk but at the same time the more number of times you take risk your risk appetite grows bigger and bigger and bigger and then you will become more and more confident of knowing well if i don't get this role i'll still be able to do something else mm. and i will be able to survive and get through and i think it's just telling yourself that mm. you know unless i challenge myself and i learn something new how am i ever going to evolve i think mostly one thing that i feel i've done very differently is you know human tendency is to compare ourselves to others and i still on a bad day i do compare myself to yeah, others yeah yeah but but i go back to comparing myself to who i was on the previous day in the previous week or the previous month Fantastic. as long as i am growing from one day to the other awesome. i'm on the right track Awesome. The, the moment you start one you know the moment you stop growing or measuring yourself against yourself from the previous day i think that's a very sad place to be and and unfortunately we 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 tend to get there you know when 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 things aren't really going well in our life but it's just that holding yourself accountable and you know always comparing yourself to yourself from, from the previous day no very true jay that's how it should be rather than comparing ourselves with somebody else who has a different journey why not i compare myself with how i was yesterday and if i'm not really changing which means i'm not really growing and it should be as straight as that anything any of the changes see i really want to get a little bit out here on the changes because that's where most people struggle change is challenging and anyway life is going on anyway there is something coming at the end of the month and you know we are having cool time so why to unnecessarily become uncomfortable right <laughs> but when you become uncomfortable you do have you do get challenges so all these changes that you went through did, do you remember any any one which was quite difficult you know some sleepless nights and you know things anyway finally it has worked out anything that you want to share just to highlight that challenges are part of these the changes that we do yeah so you know the move when i was working for a you know one of the top 10 technology banks in australia and one of the you know top four banks in australia going from a permanent role into a day rate contractor as a project manager with a three month contract in hand is in itself when you know when the times were you know weren't really looking up in terms of they were getting tough for me personally in my life taking on that challenge was was hard but i think there's is one thing or you know there's a graph that i've seen which angela duckworth uh, drew uh, when she explains grit 
So let me probably, you know, step back and, you know, share a phrase which I think will help listeners really understand the intent behind sharing this graph and how we need to constantly keep challenging ourselves. So hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. A lot of people think that you need talent in order to be successful. Talent is an aspect. Unless you couple talent with effort, you are not skilled. Mm. And in order to move from being skilled to being a champion or being an aunt, being a master at something, again, the, the secret is in talent. It is effort. So it is skill in combination with effort that takes you onto a continual improvement path to championing or mastering a skill. Now, if we look at our life as a two-dimensional graph, right? Think of the y-axis as the axis which you know really denotes skills and the x-axis as the axis that really represents time. Mm. Now, with life, you know, what you will see is there are three possibilities with everything that you pick up in life, whether it's swimming, whether it's golf, whether it's boxing, whether it is focusing or honing your cybersecurity skills, if you're into cybersecurity, or if you're a developer honing on your development skills, there's always three different curves that you will notice on this. There's one curve, uh, which is called a dropout curve. We start developing a skill. However, soon we lose interest and we drop out from honing that skill any further. For example, you know, you move to Australia, you're surrounded by ocean, you want to learn swimming and you're in your 30s and you're like, oh shit, why did I not pay attention to swimming? And now I want to learn swimming. Mm. Now you get into it, but then you realize that, oh my God, there's kids that are swimming that mm. naturally good at it and I'm a 30 year old what am I doing in the pool mm. I can't even control my breath so that's the dropout curve right you start trying something and you straight away say no 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 let me not do that I didn't do it until 30 years of my life why would I do it now mm. so that's the number one dropout curve the number two curve is the arrested development curve now we start developing a skill we continue to hone this skill for a period of time you get to a level where we are good at something, but then life happens. We reprioritize, we stop honing the skill, we prioritize something else. It could be something as simple as public speaking, building a brand for ourselves on social media, such as LinkedIn, writing a book. There's a spike of motivation that we get. We start on this, we want to read everything about how do we write well or how do you build your brand, how do you develop content, you know, you want to do public speaking, you do storytelling courses, you, 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 get, you start the journey, you start reading about it, you start, you know, putting your hat in the ring for public speaking engagements, but all of a sudden, there's something else that you have to prioritize, mm -hmm. and that's when you stop focusing or honing your skill and that's the arrested development wherein mm. you get to a certain stage mm, got it. where you have acquired some skill mm. but then it just starts flattening out right and in order to be successful again that's sorry the third one the third one yeah the third one is the third one is more called as an, a continuous improvement curve and anyone who wants to learn a bit more about it 
watch a video from Angela Duckworth. She spoke at a university, I think it's Penn University, mm. where she spoke about these three curves and that just resonated with me so much. So that, you know, going back to the point of the third curve, which is the continuous improvement curve. This is where we identify the skill. We are passionate about it. We work in the same domain and continue to hone this skill beyond a certain point. And I don't know if you've uh, read this book from Malcolm Gladwell, where he talks about 10,000 hours, which basically means, you know, if there's anything that you want to be good at or great at, you've got to put in 10,000 hours. Mm. And if you, if you, if you try to measure what is this 10,000 hours, if you put in eight hours a day, if it's a job, 3.5 years is Mm. when you've, uh, you know, completely honed your skill or you're mastered a skill. Mm. But if, that industry stays consistent. If I just bring this back to cybersecurity or technology as an industry, Mm. there's so much of constant evolution that the 10,000 hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell gave us wouldn't really stand true here. Mm. Now, the point that I'm trying to drive through this is that it takes effort to develop skill. And unless and until you continue to back yourself and you continue to apply more and more effort, you're not going to be able to, you know, achieve that continual improvement curve. Mm. And I almost feel like we've got to look at our lives and understand these three curves and, you know, recognize where is it, what skill did I really start on probably early in your life when, you know, your parents forced you into swimming, you probably never were interested because it was whether it is swimming or singing or is it playing piano. So you 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 pick what you you know really like. Mm. So that goes through the first curve, the dropout curve, and then arrested development. Each one of us can find out, you know, what curve and what skill does match each of these curves. Mm. I thought that it, it'd be relevant to share. No, I loved it, man. The dropout and then arrested development and then the continuous improvement and. Uh, being in IT and working for large organizations, that continuous improvement word is used a lot. And we kind of do it for our employers and organization. But when it comes to doing it for ourselves, it looks like we don't really uh, pay attention. So I got what, uh, so I, I learned a few things, Jay, and I look at these as uh, core principles of building career. So first thing you started with, you had a boss who happened to be your mentor as well. So he kind of created a path for you to get into the big four. The second thing you you said, it came to you naturally developing relationship and uh, nurturing it, which is extremely important. A lot of people look for their relationship and the phone numbers when they look for the next job. Okay, so that's that doesn't really work. And uh, there is no uh, silver bullet like, you know, when you need it, it will happen. It, it doesn't happen that way. So I got that point. So I want to ask a few questions on mentorship, but I just want to summarize so networking was one thing building relationship which is part of networking was another one uh, mentorship is another thing you talked about then uh, uh, you looked at you said if you when you start to do your work in sleep uh, you are already late in the game in a, in a, in a way right because you've already mastered sure. what you're doing and now you're uh, you, you stagnated and when you are stagnated you're actually not stagnated you are going backward so that reminder was very important once you start to do your work very easily you need to look look at the next thing and again i would say when it starts with looking at the next thing look at people who are doing differently and of course if you have built relationship and you have people who are ahead of you or their mentors 
they will be able to give you ideas on what to do next. So I'll ask you some of those questions. But networking, re relationship, mentoring, continuous development, not in the dropout or arrested development, continuous development, pick an area where you want to master. Like for you, you've been in the from pen testing to now being an advisor at uh, Salesforce in security and compliance. It's the same thing, but you've got much deeper and wider. And it's not only the technical skill, you understand the way business thinks, the customers think. So though the core skill is the same, but you have expanded it and you've gone wide and deep. So, you know, it's, it's really powerful. So this is how I summarize networking, relationship, mentor, be aspirational, you know, be strategic. Once you start to feel you are doing your stuff very easily, move to the next thing. What was else? The skill development, which is the continuous development is really, really important. And pick your battle. Don't compare. We don't have to compare with anybody else. That's another thing you said. Pick your battle, compare with yourself, how you were yesterday versus how you are today. And if you're moving forward, uh, you, are in, you are in good shape. So these are the things that I learned. I want to understand the mentorship aspects of it. So when you were making those changes, were you making all these decisions on your own? Not, you know, sometimes scared, like, is it going to work, not work? Or you still had people whom you could bounce the idea? I would, I, I'm thinking of a saying, I think it was along the lines of your vibe attracts your tribe. Yeah, absolutely. You need yeah. to, you need to surround yourself with people who want to grow. Yeah. And at the same time are happy with seeing you grow. Mm, so mm, unless and until it. you you have invested more time in people who really care for you and want to see you do better in your life and and you've got to have you know tons of them you can't really just count them on your finger and each one of them will have a different view of life mm. and and I don't know I'm sure you'd agree with this Hassan I think Everyone that you meet has a very unique view of, of life. And that is created through probably a lot of influences, like the way where they've you know, lived their life, what parents were they born to, what sort of experiences they've had in life, what sort of circumstances and situations they've been in their lives. And which is where it's so important to get a different perspective. Mm. You will always find people who will support you but I almost feel like that isn't enough mm. you know everything that you do and you're saying can you review this blog can you review this podcast and they're like amazing thumbs up I think that's <laughs> not very useful because unless you have someone who really reviews your content and says well I believe that was shit and and this is what I would have done if I was writing right. along those lines Unless you have people, unless you surround yourself with people who challenge you, yeah. who want to see you, you know, see you be successful, not just in your career, in your life, I think your life is incomplete. Mm. But how do you build that? If you could share that, that would be a very good insight, Jay. Most people do not have a good inner circle. I apologize if I, you know, offend somebody saying that. Most people I know do not have a good inner circle the inner circle has been developed on its own automatically because i worked somewhere i lived in a in a neighborhood so these are my friends or my kids parents or my spouse's uh, friends that's my circle i never built my inner circle consciously so most people do not have those kind of people who could challenge who could be really happy seeing you grow so two things you said somebody who could challenge you or somebody 
who could really be happy about you growing. You know, unfortunately, the kind of surrounding we automatically build, there's a jealousy aspect of it. If you grow, somebody doesn't feel good because the relationship is not built that way. So how do you build this kind of relationship where you have challenges and mentors in your life? Give, give me a couple of examples because this is an insight, Jay. If you can <laughs> open that up, that would be very helpful. Like I was starting out to say that you've got first, first rule is to embrace yourself as to who you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are. Because unless you know your weaknesses, you wouldn't know what areas to focus on. And then being open to learning is the second lesson that I was trying to share. As long as you do that, I think the central idea or the core theme is that once you get into workforce, you can't really do everything. You have to lean on the others and learn from the others. The more you demonstrate vulnerability, the better you connect with individuals. The more you connect with individuals, the more you learn from them and know from them. And that's where you will try and understand, well, this guy speaks really great. Or, you know, this person has a very natural skill to connect with individuals or someone is a great orator or someone knows how to connect with everyone or someone is a great listener. For example, Asan, the way you summarized my story, I, you know, I could picture every single element that I just said, and I just said it in a very zigzag manner. It wasn't structured the way you summarized it. So which clearly tells me that you're a great listener and it's, it's, it's an amazing skill to have. And which is where once you've identified that my weakness is I'm not a good orator, I don't have the right tonality in my voice, I need to focus on my body language, mm. then you've got to start identifying the people around you that Quality. you know are better. Mm. Mm. And, and then work with them. Uh, you know, you've got a brilliant strategy and which clearly demonstrates you're far ahead in your journey as than I am. I haven't got that sort of a strategy wherein you have a mentor, you have a, uh, you know, challenger, you have a supporter and, and one, a collaborator. Yeah, I mean, uh, we're all in the same journey and the, it's been very recent. I have started to learn these things and uh, yeah, I'm just implementing. So I didn't have these uh, clues at all when I was inside those four walls. I didn't have those clues like how things work and I felt trapped and I felt like I could do more. I have more potential, but I wasn't able to express my potential and uh, because I didn't know some fundamentals. That's why I said these days my focus is more about bringing those awareness and resources and guidance to people. Everybody is a smart Jay. Everybody is smart enough. It's just the lack of awareness, sometimes lack of inspiration. And it's all kind of interrelated. If you are in a community where everybody's inspired, if you are the laziest person, you will get inspired because everybody else is inspired around you. So all of those things that you talked about, the right surrounding and the people, all of those things matter. So now these days, because I'm, I'm consciously building relationship with people, I'm seeing these kind of people. So somebody talked talk to me this formula the challenger, the connector and all of that. I didn't know all of those things. Where, which book do you learn all these things? Tell me, Jay, in your cybersecurity or in my Java book or in my sales book, nowhere I learn all these things. Absolutely. Yes, yes, so true. Yeah, so it's all it's all with people, man. I'm just learning from people like yourself. So anything else on the building this uh, inner circle, which I believe is one of the most important strategic uh, initiative anybody should have building the right inner circle. 
I think it's just viewing people in the right way. I almost feel like while I was growing up, my mom constantly kept on repeating a quote, Jesse Drishti Vesi Shrishti, mm. which essentially translates to you will find what you look for. Got it. At that point, I probably didn't really pick what it meant. And fairly recently, it's, it's very interesting. While my mom, I was talking to my mom on the phone and she was sharing a story and I was like, Mom, I think you're looking at things very differently. You should look for good in this situation rather than looking, you know, changing your perspective. And it felt like I was trying to share the same lessons that, that you know, she, she was trying to embed in me in terms of, you know, it's if you want to find, you know, faults in people, you will find faults. If you want to find greatness greatness in people you will if you you know if you desire to learn something for example you know being 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 a great listener how do you do that if i'm open to that learning with you asan you will clearly share your tips and tricks with me and it's just Got it. it's it's you know you just being open to seeing people in a different light i think Openness, that's yeah. one thing I, I don't know how to even explain it better no, I but get that's that. something that stays with me i think that's how it starts and of course being strategic about it so in in uh, in kind of wrap up uh, jay i want to ask you a couple of quick questions so now uh, you are in a pretty prestigious organization in a very prestigious role and you have already played all those intermediate roles of project program audit Contesting. What next, or what are the couple of next stages where you you feel like you are still going to go strong on? I think what's next for me is fairly over a period of last twelve to eighteen months is where again through reflections I've really identified what my purpose is, and my purpose is just three simple words: make cyber simple. It's it's now how do I continue to do this? and make it more obvious through my behavior, through my presence, through my brand. It's now how do I develop this as a brand so that when I go to, so I work on a program called Sandbox for Education with UNSW, wherein the intent of the program is to bring the industry and educators together to work with students and make them workforce ready. How do I use Make Cyber Simple as a brand in this interaction with universities? Yeah. How do I use this in my job? How do I use this in my life? So it's, it, I think th- that's one thing that I want to get to next. Continue so recognizing what my purpose is, is one thing. Now trying to make this real is, is the other thing that I'm trying to get at. That's very nice, man. Anything on the on the career progression side? Any further aspirations? I think with like I've shared with you, Esan, I feel like it's it's not the titles and it's not the brands. You get to my the role. Age I mean, I, I think it's about role that because you were pretty driven all the time by you know what next is my role. It's kind of done. So when this role gets done, what's next? Have you thought about it or not really focusing on it right now? Yeah. So. I, I have been thinking about it for a while and I'm getting there as well. It's just more, this time around, I think my criteria probably has evolved. My criteria used to be learning something new. I think now I've got to a point wherein I want to be surrounded by people that I can look up to who can then not just help me be a better professional or be a better practitioner in cybersecurity, but help me in life and help me improve in the way I view things. So, 
so so the objective is slightly drifting away from but that's go- chasing the bigger yeah. title or you know the more bonus or the yeah, yeah. B- bigger ot it's more around and not even a bigger brand it's more around how do i work with people that i really look up to yeah. and can and learn from i think that's gold jay if that happens then everything else automatically it gets taken care of so that was fantastic final question you have come a long way and uh, you have your own share of mistakes and good moments aha moments and successes you are pretty satisfied with where you have reached if you had to go back uh, and talk to that 21 year old jay again what would be one or two advice you would give i think things probably that we may have already discussed but there'll be three pieces of advice three simple pieces of advice one would be embrace yourself jay for who you are mm. both with your strengths and your weaknesses the second would be invest more time in people who really care for you and want to see you do better in your life like i was saying you know this saying on your vibe attracts your tribe so yeah. focus on that yeah. the third thing would be take up some form of sport or exercise i regret not getting into boxing early in my life now i'm a 40 year old and every time i go go for boxing sessions either i'm twisting my knee or it's the ankle or it's the tendonitis and i'm like oh, shit i wish i got into it when i was at the prime probably in my 18 or you know 20 that would have been ideal time but it's still okay i'm still trying to learn evolve and adopt no there definitely a physical activity is definitely a must so i i i had lots of health issues and whatever you talked about that's nothing but at some point in time i realized it's not working out and i took a big step so every time when something doesn't work out i kind of make a big jump so that i can't go back and you know? <laughs> make such a big jump that you can't go back So that was 2011 12 as like smoker and uh, lots of different issues uh, just became a personal trainer and uh, identity shifted so once you you being a smoker means even if you quit smoking deep inside your identity of being a smoker is still there so uh, whenever you get a chance you restrict somehow but you tend to smoke again because deep inside you haven't changed your identity but when i became personal trainer i still vividly remember on day 1 in my class very very vividly i remember the class that was the last time i ever heard for smoking that was so it's been like 11 years now so and that's on physical activity after that has been i don't do a lot but i'm pretty consistent few months goes bad i get back on it again i started to eat right and the reason i'm sharing this is if we don't have like you don't feel at ease with your body Uh, the mind doesn't work emotionally you are kind of very vulnerable all the time but when you are strong inside you know you wake up you feel that strength other things kind of uh, are mounted on top of your strong body you know and the, the strong mind and the strong emotion these three things are required for us to really do really enjoy the every moment of life that uh, you know we have been blessed with so yeah i mean this could go long so i'll i'll stop there Uh, thank you very much for uh, coming on the uh, podcast Jay and sharing your journey you talked about real practical strategies of building career especially for people who are feeling like oh it's end of it i've left my home come abroad there's not much of chance to grow here i can do only this or only that when i bring somebody like you on the podcast i want to tell others like no that's not true here is a guy who came as a programmer and now he is a cto here is a guy who came as a, a pen tester he is an advisor at salesforce here is a guy who came as this he is like that 
So it's happening and I hope people, you are also reachable like many other people came on my show. They are reachable to people. So when you say, do you want to, or what was the sentence? Do you want uh, to? Wanting to learn and being open to learning. Is open that, to learn, is that yeah. So somebody who's open to, can I, I know, what's the contact if somebody wants to reach out to you, Jay? Are you reachable readily on LinkedIn or anywhere or you are reachable to people who are open to? <laughs> I am definitely the only social media platform that I'm on is LinkedIn. So okay. my first name is Jay, my last name is Hira. And, you know, more than happy to help in any way, shape or form. Fantastic. Uh, you know, like, like, like I shared, you know, I always look at people in a way, you know, where every interaction or every relationship leads to something. It's really important to be less self-oriented and help people in their own journeys just because I feel like I've gotten so old <laughs> and, I, and I've aged <laughs> 10 years in the last one year I, I really feel like that mm. and and I think that just if there's anything that I could assist uh, anyone with please feel free to reach out to That's, me via LinkedIn that'd be wonderful yeah. so I will mention your LinkedIn uh, connect on show notes so yeah, all good uh, thank you for coming again Jay and it was wonderful talking to you and really appreciate sharing the strategies and that was my main motto of you bringing you're the guy who said I've been strategic about it and I really wanted to bring that detail out so thank you very much thank you so much Hassan Thank you for listening to the Empowering Indian Expats podcast with your host Hassan Ali. Hope you found Jazz's stories practical and valuable. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. Uh, I loved his story, especially the boxing club incident. I found his techniques in building a strong inner circle very useful. He also gave a complete strategy for developing a thriving career in cybersecurity space. That's all from me. Uh, I would love to know what were your key takeaways and uh, do connect with me on LinkedIn and follow the Empowering Indian Expats podcast page either on LinkedIn or on Facebook. And before you go, I have an important announcement for you. I have been running a career development weekly workshop and uh, more than 60 mid-career IT professionals have already benefited from it. So if career growth is your priority for uh, you right now, uh, please use the link in my LinkedIn profile to register for the upcoming one and uh, hope to see you in one of the workshops.